be with us here today. And so I am so glad, so excited, so honored that uh, the Brother Senior would be with us to preach to us, Brother and Sister Senior both. And so if you would, would you just put your hands together? Would you just welcome the man of God as he comes to preach the word of the Lord here today? Amen. Come on up here. Get up here. You're preaching. It's your turn. Amen. Amen. God bless you. One more time. Give him a round of applause. You can be seated. You've been waiting to hear those words. And uh, I'm very excited to be here today, not only because of the 37th anniversary but because I am able to walk in the doors today when uh, 20 and a half months ago uh, they gave me some bad news and said that uh, if I had no treatment that I might live two months and with treatment I maybe have 18 months that's been 20 and a half months ago and here we are today Amen. Thanks to brother and sister Noling for keeping the ball rolling. Amen. It's a great job. You're doing a great job. Sister Noling, she, she, there she is back there. Uh, what an awesome music minister. Not, not just a piano player, but a music minister. And uh, I stand here today uh, emotional for more than one reason. Uh, one reason is that I'm above the ground today. Another reason is that we're here in the presence of the Lord, and he's going to do something great here today. I, I am a person that believes that God can do anything. I'll talk to you about it here in a few minutes. Uh, but just to know that he cared enough that he has helped me along and uh, We've had, in the past year and a half, we've had numerous miracles in our life and also where we've been ministering. Uh, I have a couple books. This is the first one I wrote. It's not about me. And the second one I just got published about three months ago, Finding God, My Journey Through Pancreatic Cancer. And if you would like to have one of those, we have them today. They're, they're $10. And uh, I, I'm just excited. As I was thinking about this early this morning, uh, Third John, I didn't give this to Brother Dan, but Third John 1 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And I consider the church, this church, part of our heritage, part of our downline, so to speak. And then my mother used to stand up and testify, and she, she would frequently quote this scripture. She said, I have been young, now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Little did I know that I would live to the age that I am, and God only knows the outcome and where, where it will end, but as of today, here we are. And uh, I'm going to have my wife stand and 
I want her to tell the latest miracle we had just a couple months ago, September 8th, actually. And so glad to be here in the presence of the Lord. But um, he was back in the hospital in August. And while he was in the hospital, I bought a house. <laughs> and so um, anyway, it was time and it was right. But anyway, um, so. Scott, Scott and Leah and Chris, Chris they all was coming about five weeks every Saturday, Saturday helping me pack because I said, I can't do this by myself. And, and so, so he was out of the hospital, hospital and he was, was so weak that he was just sitting on the porch. And, and then, then about five weeks after his surgery, we were getting ready to move on that next Saturday. And he came in on a Wednesday and he said, I'm going to go lay down. And I said, okay. And so I went in there about a half hour later, and uh, he hadn't gone to I said, oh, you didn't go to sleep? And he goes, no, I've been laying here praying. He said, I think God has really touched me. And I said, physically or mentally? Because I knew he was depressed because he's a workaholic, and we were all working, working, and he couldn't do nothing. He was so weak, he couldn't even walk around the curve on our road. And so that was on a Wednesday. We went to church that night, and um, Thursday morning he woke up because he had told the kids, don't touch the garage, <laughs> I'll do the garage. And so he woke up and he went out in the garage, he started loading stuff on the truck to take to the dump, and we had a big old desk downstairs we didn't know what we was going to do with. And So he said, if you help me roll that out, we'll cut it up, and we did. And Friday, he came up here to the new house and painted the bedroom. Saturday, we moved. Of course, he helped. Sunday, he preached in Cumberland, and he's been going ever since. And one day, he couldn't even walk hardly. And the next day after that prayer meeting, God touched him. And I'm so thankful. It's been a long journey for the year and a half that we've been going through. But God has been with us every step of the way. And if you're faithful to him, he will be faithful to me. If you make a commitment to serve him, and I made a commitment a long time ago to make it. That's my goal, to make it to heaven. And I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I love him. Amen. So I feel uh, that God has given us um, orders that everywhere we go, the people that have not heard my story, I want to tell you my story to build your faith to believe that God can do whatever you need. Amen. I didn't hear many amens there, but uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to talk to you today about faith to hear God's voice. Have you ever prayed that, Lord, I need to hear your voice? And uh, that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And uh, overall, I believe that the church today is lacking on faith just to believe God for what he says he will do. If the book says it, you can count on it. If the book says it, you can believe it. And ask me, I'm a believer. I believe that he can do anything. I have a a sign where I come out of my office on the wall there. And it, it's been there a long time before this 
trial came along. But it says, all things are possible. I believe that today. It was the last week of February, the first week of March, 2020. Uh, I was very jaundiced. I was so jaundiced, they told me that I was fluorescent. And uh, I didn't go, I went to the doctor and he did an ultrasound and actually showed nothing. And so I had taken a job driving a test truck for Cummins to have something to do. And my wife was working in the church daycare at Columbus. And uh, she came by to pick me up from work and I'm, I'm sitting in the car and a lady who is the boss, uh, she walked over to the car and she said, are you all right? And I said, I think so. And she said to me, said, you're not all right. Of course, I've been accused of that, not all right up here. But uh, she said, you're not all right. You're jaundiced. She said, take your glasses off. And I did. And she said, your eyes are yellow, and you need to call your doctor now. And I thought, well, who in the world is this authoritative voice working here at the trucking company? Well, come find out she was a retired nurse. And like an obedient son, I called the doctor. And uh, he's not only our doctor, but was a, he's a family friend. And uh, I told him, she told me to call him. I said, well, what does she want me to do? And I said, I don't have any idea. Just do something. And so he ordered a CT scan. And uh, when the CT scan came back, it showed a small spot on the tip of my pancreas. And he said to me, if this is cancer, it's, a very operable, it's in a very operable position. And uh, you need to consider the Whipple surgery. Well, I, he said, if it's cancer, OK? And so uh, I gave that some thought. And I said, I'm not interested in the surgery. Why should I hurt this old body of mine uh, with any issues I don't have to endure? And all my life, I've heard that if you have pancreatic cancer, you're dead. And the truth of it is, the statistics are 1% to 2% survive pancreatic cancer. But he, he pushed the issue. He said, uh, you know what? There's a guy in the next room over here that had the surgery, and it's been like 10 or 12 years ago. I don't remember exactly. And so uh, Dr. Dohan, he kept pushing the surgery thing, and he made me an appointment with a doctor at St. Francis, Dr. Troiano, a gastroenterologist. It was supposed to be for consultation. Dr. Troiano took one look at me, and he said, I'm going to call down to the operating room and sweet-talk the girls down there to get you in this afternoon because you need a procedure done. And uh, so he looked at me, and he said, what time did you eat breakfast? And I said, 7.30. He said, if anybody asks you, you had breakfast at 5.30 this morning. And uh, then once again, he, if anybody asks you, you had breakfast at 5.30 this morning. What did I do with that? Uh, 
So the uh, procedure was done. They placed a stent in my bile duct, took a biopsy and of the tumor and sent, it, sent me home very sick. And I said, don't send me home. I'm too sick to go home. I wasn't sick. It was like, you know, you go to the hospital, and you come out worse than what you went in. Well, I, was, I wasn't sick when I went in. I was sick, but I just didn't know I was sick. And, but that night, I was up all night long. Next morning, back to the hospital. Uh, and they said, your, your pancreas is very angry. And so I had two more days in the hospital. Saturday morning, Dr. Troyano's associate came in to see me, and he said, we don't have the report on the biopsy yet. But the nurse sitting there at the computer, she said, yes, we do have the report, and it's cancer. And he looked me right in the eye. He just kind of leaned over me, and I can, I can see his face today. And he said, it's cancer. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, without treatment, maybe two months. With treatment, a year and a half maybe. And somewhere along the way, somebody gave me a diagnosis of stage four pancreatic cancer. That's not something you want to hear. Uh, fortunately, it ended up being stage one when they went in there. And I, I stand here to tell somebody today, uh, I'd never faced these kind of circumstances in my life. Uh, we've been pretty uh, blessed with good health. And when they pronounced me, basically they pronounced me dead. And so this is one of the good things about giving your life to the Lord and serving God. When he said that, I had no fear. No fear. And uh, there's a bundle of emotion, of course, but no fear. I knew that God was in control, and whatever he decided was okay with me. That's why I've served him these years, because of this time. When you, when you come to this point in your life, you want to make sure that you're ready to meet God. Don't wait till that time comes. And uh, if you wait to give your heart to the Lord, if you wait to make your calling and election sure, uh, then when this time in your life comes, you may not have enough faith to believe that God can help you because you haven't committed to him. That's human thinking, of course. And so I prayed and I told the Lord, I said, whatever the outcome, I'm good with it. The only problem I have is that we spent all of our time teaching home, body, home Bible studies and uh, starting churches, fixing broken churches, I don't have any problem with any of that, but I don't have my natural personal house in order. I need time on our house. And uh, I was thinking of my wife, if, if this is what's going to happen, I don't want to leave her here with a lot of undone business. That's a good point. You might pick that one up. You got some unfinished business in your life, it's time to take care of it. Not next week, not next month, but immediately. Take care of the undone business in your life. And uh, I said, Lord, I, I just, I never, during this process, I never prayed for healing. I just simply said, Lord, uh, I want to make sure everything's okay for my wife. At that time, we'd been married 59 years, and I don't want to leave her in a mess. So, 
Dr. Troiano also recommended the Whipple surgery. And I'm laying there after he has diagnosed and told me what probably is going to happen. And so I, I, prayed, I prayed a prayer that you find in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah the 38th chapter. Uh, in those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah saying, Here's the one that had just pronounced that he's going to die. He had to come back in. He said, the Lord said to him, Go say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen thy tears, and behold, I will add unto thy days fifteen years. And I will deliver thee and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend the city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. So a lot of times we pray, we want to, I want to know that this is going to be all right. I, I really, um, like I said, I haven't prayed for healing. I just prayed for God's will and to be able to take care of unfinished business in my life. And so here's the prophet came back in and says, you're not going to die immediately. You got 15 more years. And he said, Behold, I will bring again the shadow of degrees which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz, 10 degrees backward. So the sun returned 10 degrees by which degrees it had gone down. I, I did a study on this, and 10 degrees on the sundial would be equivalent to 20 minutes. So here's God telling him, I'm going to heal you. And here's, I'm going to prove it to you. The sun dial is going to back up. The sun's going to back up 20 minutes. And so after I prayed that prayer, I just rolled over and tried to go to sleep. And I, I had just kind of gone to sleep. And it wasn't just, yeah, remember the prayer, the prayer that I prayed. I prayed Hezekiah's prayer. And sometime in the next, I don't know exactly, but sometime in the next couple hours, my hospital door opened, I heard it open, and I looked up, and Tony Oliver was coming in on a knee scooter. He had a messed up Achilles heel. And as he was rolling in the door, he didn't even get inside the room. He was saying, it's not over, Elder. He said it two or three times, it's not over. And he said, on the way over here, I was praying about this situation, and the Lord gave me the words to Hezekiah's prayer. I prayed it. He sent a confirmation. And so uh, I said, that, I, I buy it. That's me. That's mine. And so uh, I got out of the hospital on Saturday. 
and uh, went home. I thought, well, you know what? I need to start the process. I asked the Lord to give me time to get this done. So I got out of the hospital on Saturday. On Sunday, I sold my shop in a rental house that was on that property. And uh, that was a God thing. Uh, and then I had five high-powered chemo treatments with minimal side effects. Worked almost every day, mowed grass from my customers, cleaned out 25 years of accumulation from my shop. And then I was back to our family doctor for medicine change. And so when we walk in the door and he comes in, the first thing he said, you need to have the Whipple surgery. So here he had told me originally, the doctor in the hospital told me, you need to have this. And once again, I'm saying, you know what? I'm too old, why do I want to torture my body with this? And it was a very, uh, it was a very difficult surgery, and uh, I just didn't know if I wanted to do it. But while we're, he, the doctor walked out of the room, and he walks back in, and he hands Karen a sheet of paper with a Whipple surgery on it, and he handed me one, and then he went out of the room. And COVID had hit by now, and uh, actually, doctor spent three and a half hours with us that day. And when we left, we had an appointment to meet a specialist, one of the few specialists in the country for this surgery is at IU Health in Indianapolis. His name was Dr. House. When we walked out of the room, we had an appointment to meet with Dr. House. And so, uh, when I talked to Dr. House, he, he read all the paperwork and looked at all the things that I had already taken care of, and he said, uh, you're a perfect candidate for the surgery. That morning before I went to the doctor is the first time I really got nervous. And uh, I woke up early and I was nervous about this appointment, and I told my wife, I said, if Dr. House says one negative word, it's a no, no deal. deal. So, so after, after he, he looked at all the paperwork and the CT scan and report and all, he looks at me and he says, you are a perfect candidate for the Whipple surgery. And so uh, surgery was on June 16, 2020. They removed 12 lymph nodes with no cancer. The cancer was in the end of the pancreas and instead of being stage four, it was stage one. So, let, let me just stop here for a minute. Don't let your situations and your problems and your issues determine who you are. Not, not one time. I have not yet, and I don't intend to, I have never claimed my cancer. It's not mine. I gave it to him. So you, you won't hear me. We, we need to learn to speak some positive things, especially if you think God's doing something in your life. Speak positive. God wants to do great things for you. He wants, he wants to do the positive things in your life. I, I stand here to tell you today that I have great trust in the King of Kings. Amen. I, uh, I shouldn't be doing the things I do today. But I counted before I left the house, and in the last nine weeks, I've only missed one Sunday of preaching. That's not bad for no man that they had diagnosed saying I was going to die. 
And so the 12 lymph nodes that they had taken out with no cancer had side effects of its own, and my stomach was producing a lot of fluid, and it's called a chyle leak. And in order to get that, I had a stomach drain and a bag on my side, and in order to get that bag off, I had to get my uh, numbers on my uh, chyle leak down to 20 milliliters, and I'm producing regularly 400 milliliters. So I've got 380 to go. And so I was on a starved-to-death diet, no fat. My wife had to uh, make special meals. Uh, I'm not a real big turkey fan, but I, I was eating sliced turkey, pickles, pretzels, fish, white potatoes, and green beans, and after a few weeks of this, I, I looked at her one day and I said, drive me to Franklin and just drive around Freddy's and let me smell a hamburger. And besides all of this, COVID has come on full force, so we have no in-house church. Now, I want to tell you something. If you ever need church, if you ever need the Lord, it's when they tell you you're going to die. And so we, uh, we, if somebody said they were having a parking lot service, I didn't like that, but it was better than none at all. It was better than on the well. And so we drive to Noblesville. We drove to Greensburg. And uh, with all that was going on in my life, the diagnosis and all the issues that we were facing, stay with me. I know where I'm going, and I'm about there, okay? Uh, I felt like the Lord was so far away, trying to eat these foods, uh, and I certainly needed to gain some weight. I'd lost 45 pounds that I couldn't afford to lose, and uh, thank God I'm back up about eight pounds finally, but uh, I'm, I'm praying to gain weight, and if y'all got something you want to get rid of, just send it my way. Amen. But it was with all this going on, the COVID situation, and uh, we had, uh, I had a chemo treatment, the first chemo treatment after surgery, I was back in the hospital, it made me real sick. Then I had another one two weeks later, and uh, it just, it was awful. So I had this COVID thing hit me two days after my second chemo treatment. And so here we are, and I had a, a rougher case than my wife did. And uh, with all that going on, I'm sitting there in my chair, and I said, I feel like God is so far away. He's so far away, I don't even know where he is. Uh, I need to hear his voice. And uh, I said, oh, if I could just find him, if I could just get a word. So I, I started on a quest to be sensitive so I could hear his voice. I refocused my mind and uh, said, I, I've got to find him. I've got to find direction. You say, well, that shouldn't be a problem. You've been a pastor for many years. The way it was, I'm just as human as you are. And I needed to hear it from the Lord. And I, I began to read some scriptures. first one was in Mark 9, verse 23. 
So Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. How many things? All things. If you can believe it. I'm not talking about just I, uh, say it and grab it, blab it and grab it. I'm, I'm talking about if you can believe literally in your life that you can pray and God's going to answer your prayer, he's bound by his word. Amen. I'm not saying he's going to heal every one of our diseases, but I'm saying that he can. And it's up to him. The Bible said if we pray according to his will, that he hears us. And so I, I just kept praying. And from there I went to Mark 4, 23. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. Which tells us that a lot of times we know the Scripture, a lot of times God is speaking to us, but we don't have our ears tuned to His channel. He's speaking, we're not listening. My personal opinion is, after this past year and a half, that God wants to speak very regularly to each one of us. He has something special for each life. It's, it's not just about people that have cancer. It's not just about people that have serious illnesses. But we, we say that we believe, but we fail to have the proof of our belief in our hand. Uh, Mark 4, 24 in the Amplified Bible says, And he said unto them, Be careful what you are hearing. And I thought, wow, that speaks to us. You need to be careful what you're listening to. Uh, think upon things that are good, lovely, things that have a good report. If they're being praised, if they're being virtue, think on these things. And so you refocus your mind to think upon the good things of God. Uh, you say, well, you know what? I need a miracle in my life, and he hasn't performed it for me. And so uh, I'm just not, I'm just going to go ahead and trust the doctor and believe. Hey, I'm all for the doctor. But the doctor without God is nothing. I, I had the surgeon tell me uh, it's ultimately up to him. Then the oncologist who told me I was too old to have the surgery, uh, she told me, Ultimately, it's up to him. And so it says, the Amplified Bible, he said unto them, Be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you and more besides will be given to you who hear. So what he's saying, what you are able to take in what you're able to believe. I'm a firm believer that if it's in this book, I can believe it. I haven't found anywhere in here yet where the Lord lied to us. So if, we, if he says we can believe him for things, we can believe him. And uh, so I came to the conclusion that what we're hearing and what we're processing is all determined by our attitude and our appetite. And so, if we have an appetite for the things of the world, that's all we're going to have. Uh, if we need God and all of our thoughts and our mind is on the things of this life, uh, I, I, I'm looking out across this group today, and I guarantee you, if we're not going to do this, but if we said, hey, we want to hear what's going on in your life, it would probably shock us what's going on here today. 
But how are we dealing with the things in our life? It's how, it's how our attitude is and our appetite. And so my appetite was very keen. Not only did I want some natural food, but I wanted to hear what God had to say to this old guy. And so uh, how desperate are we to hear what God wants to tell us? I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. God, he, he has a feeling for people who are desperate. If you're desperate for God, God can do anything for you. And he wants to give revelation and direction when we give ear to the Spirit. And I believe that God is speaking, and we are tuning our channel in to the wrong channel. We turn in to the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches. And I can tell you that none of those things help. Riches is something that you, you, you chase it, and you get a few, and then you've got to have a whole lot more, and it's never-ending. But with God, when your appetite is up on God, He's what matters. He's, I, I thank Him every day. God, I thank You for another day. I, I prayed before I left the house today. I said, God, somehow, let this old man reach out to somebody today and help them to believe that God is the answer to their need. And that's the prayer I had before I came here. I'm sorry I'm emotional this morning. And I believe that God is speaking to us, but we are not listening. It's just something that we let pass by. Sometimes he speaks and we're just too stubborn to listen to what he's saying. He has, uh, when you start a process serving God, uh, he, he, the Bible tells you that he will lead and guide into all truth. And a lot of times we want, we want the feel good, we want the emotion, we want the songs, which this morning were beautiful. Uh, we want to have the, the chill bumps and all that. But I want to tell you one thing. When you have a relationship with God, there is nothing in this world that compares with your relationship with God. And I, I feel strongly impressed to tell you that God wants to speak to you personally. Not, may, he may speak through somebody else, but I believe that he wants to speak personally. Amen. I, I call Tony Oliver my prophet. He doesn't like it when I say that. But when he walked in the room and, and, and spoke the exact thing I had just prayed, how can that happen? That happened because somebody was sensitive on the other end. And you know what? I was willing to grab a hold of it. Not simply because I was sick, not simply because I needed that hand, but I believed that God could and God would. And so the reason we can't hear God, uh, He has ceased to be top priority in our lives. Everything else takes priority over our lives. And that brings me to my main point today. Everything else takes priority in our life. Everything is ahead of God. Everything is ahead of relationship. My personal opinion is that relationship is what gets the job done with God. It's how much I love Him. It's how much that I'm willing to commit to Him. It's how much I'm willing to give. And I'm, I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about our life. Give something to God. Let, Let your, your life, life be an altar, altar and you give, give to God. God. And, and so, so 
It was all these issues that were going on in my life, and I've been praying desperately to hear from God. And in the midst of an overwhelming feeling of hopelessness, I went to sleep on the evening of July 20, 2020, 6.30 in the morning, which would now be July 21st, I had a dream, and when this dream came, I knew it was a God dream. I didn't know where it was going, but I got up, I keep a pencil handy and a piece of paper, and I wrote down the time, because I knew it was going to be a significant thing. And in this dream, I was in front of a large concrete structure, a large building, possibly a church. There were two or three ladies walking down the public walk in front of the building, and I could tell that they were apostolic ladies, but I had no idea who they were, and I was a little stressed about, what. I know everybody, why don't I know these people? And so, one of the ladies looked up at me, I'm up on the second floor, and she pointed her finger at me, and she said, you're going to be preaching in just a little while. And I said to her, that's impossible. That was a faith, wasn't it? I said, that's impossible. And then I qualified why it was impossible because I never preach without praying about what I'm going to preach and putting study into it and work. And so, uh, so since I haven't done those things, this is an impossibility. It's now 6.30 in the morning, and one of the ladies yelled at me and said, With God! All things are possible. I sat right straight up in bed. And I, I'm speaking back to this woman. And I said, that's what I've been praying for. That's what I've been waiting for. I wanted to hear from God. And God chose to send my message through a lady I didn't know. But I knew it was a God thing, so uh, that's my word from God. And then a word, the words to an old song were going over my mind. Said, "God specializes in things thought impossible. He specializes in things that we think are impossible." And so, uh, my next point is. Don't be negative. Don't speak negative. Keep your speech positive. Serve the Lord. Believe Him. And keep your faith positive. And so I went ahead and got up. When Karen woke up, woke up I told her, I said, it's over. And she said to me, what's over? I said, the situation with this dumb thing on my side here. And you having to fix these special meals. And... Uh, Stomach tube still producing 400 milliliters, not, not going down anyways near the 20. And I, I said, I don't know how it's going to happen, but, but this phase of our life is over. And so two days later on July 23rd, I had a five-week post-op appointment with the surgeon, Dr. House. Uh, when I saw him in the hallway, I'm walking down the hallway in the hospital. He was in a little room on the side at his computer. And so I just pulled my shirt back, and I took that tube, and when I walked by him, I went, I just shook it at him. 
and he did just what you were doing. He was laughing. So uh, went in the little examination room, and uh, his another doctor with his group came in, and she asked me a bunch of questions. And uh, when he walked in the room, he said, get up here on this table. That thing is coming out today. And in the hospital, I raised... Just kind of smiled, and uh, the thing's coming out. I said, what can I eat? He said, you can eat anything you want to. So I told him about the Freddy's experience, and I said, Freddy's, here we come. I'm not going to be eating turkey today, and I'm, uh, she had taken it with us because we couldn't eat in a restaurant. And I said, get rid of that stuff. I'm going to have some real food today. And we went straight to Freddy's. And, and then, then I, I said to him, can, can I work? And he said, you can do anything you feel like doing. I said, can I mow grass? He said, you can if you feel like it. I said, good, I got three acres of grass to mow this afternoon. Speaking positive. You know what? You can be negative all you want to. That's easy. That comes easy for human beings. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to say, well, you know, I tried this and it didn't work. But I'm here to tell you something that does work. And when we keep our attitude right, we keep our spirit right, we speak positive words, God can do anything. So uh, one of Dr. House's associates was removing the tube from my side and stitching me up. And of course, I was feeling her needle. And uh, but Dr. House turns around to my wife, who's sitting, when I'm, when I'm yelling hallelujah, she's over in the corner just thanking the Lord. I know he probably thought we're crazy. No, he doesn't think we're crazy. He, th he thinks we're all right. He, uh, actually, he asked me if I would go on a podcast for the hospital. And I said, whatever you want, Doc, I'll, I'll do it. So uh, she's sewing me up, and Dr. House turns to my wife, and she said uh, some very, he said some very profound words. Excuse me. He said, your husband is a very fortunate man to beat pancreatic cancer. So that was the surgeon's words. I'm very fortunate to beat pancreatic cancer. You may say, well, you've got some side effects. Yeah, I do have a few side effects. I was supposed to be on chemo this week. I was supposed to be on chemo last week. I told Brother knowing that I couldn't come till after the first of the year because I didn't want to come after I'd taken a chemo treatment. And I'm bad enough when I'm all here, but when I'm not all here, it can really get bad. And, uh, but when they canceled the chemo, I called Brother Nolan, I said, or I sent him a text, I said, if you can use this, here we are. And thank, I am so thankful that God has allowed me to go through this valley. Why? Pastor said the other night, he said, when you go through circumstances, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, when you go through circumstances in your life and, and you come out on the other side, it gives you a higher level of anointing 
and I found that to be true. And I said, God, here I am. I'm nothing. But if you can use me, I'm, I'm available. And until you close the door, I'm just going to keep going on. And so when he said you're a very fortunate man to beat pancreatic cancer, uh, she was thanking the Lord also. I stand here today to tell somebody that God's bigger than your problem. I don't care what your problem is. When they tell you you're going to be pushing up daisies from the underneath side, it doesn't get any more severe than that. And so every morning when I get up, I say, thank you, Jesus. I got one more day. I'm not, I'm on top of the soil. I'm not under it. And I thank you for that. When we begin to live our life according to his word, when we begin to do what? Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I just have to tell you what I feel. When we begin to move into the spirit, we begin to move. I'm not talking about being a spiritual nerd. I'm talking about just being who you are and let God do what he wants to do in your life. When we move into that realm, he moves us to a different realm than what we're on. And I stand here today to tell somebody that God is bigger than your problems. There is nothing too big for God. There. I am. I just have to follow what I feel today. I'm talking to people here that some of you have had tears. Some of you, even during the worship today, you had tears in your eyes, and uh, which is a good thing. That's a breaking point with God. We can, we can come into his presence. But God has something for you that you've never experienced before. Jason Burbo, he's got something for you that you've never experienced. Amen. Each one of us here today, God has something for us that we've never experienced. You say, well, I, I want to work on this. Well, here's how you work on it. I'm going to open the altar here in a minute. If you want to work on it, this would be a real good time to start. Start the process. Serving God is a process. It's not something that happens overnight. It starts with the first step first. It starts, our, our serving God starts with repentance. We actually, we come to a place where we know that He is and that He is a reward of those that seek Him. And then we come to this place where we have a recognition that our sins, uh, you say, why? Well, I don't sin. Duh. Our sins separate us from God. And I, I've chosen, uh, I've tried to make my life about Him. And uh, I've chosen, am I perfect? No. But I have made it a point, God, whatever you want, that's what I'm willing to do. Little did we want to start another church in, when I was 69 years old. And, uh, but it was an area where we had looked at many times over the years. It was a very busy area. It had a, a U.S. highway, four-lane highway, comes right through that town. And there was no way to bypass this town because the river was on one side and you got hills on the other side. And they hadn't put roads through those yet. And when I would go there and I would see all this traffic, and I would tell my wife, there needs to be a church here. 
but I'm 69 years old and I'm too old to do this. But with, over the years we have looked at that situation. And so one day in February 2012, I believe it was, January or February, I don't remember which one, we got in the car, we headed down the road, and it's like the car took on a life of its own, and we just kind of headed down that direction. Listen real close. We had no intention. I just wanted to make sure I closed that option if it needed to be closed. So we're driving down the road, and we're coming into Aurora, Indiana. My wife looks to the right side of the road. It was during a recession. And she said, there's our church right there. And I was doubting Thomas. I said, if the Lord opened the windows of heaven, that's not going to happen. Uh, looked just like a church, 6,000 square feet open inside. It was a wedding reception center on four acres, had 92 blacktop parking spots. And uh, I said, I've been in the building business too long. And we had just never owned that property. Then the Lord kind of struck my heart, brother. And so the first turnaround, we made the turnaround, pulled into the property. We got out, looked in the windows, carried a Bible, prayed, took pictures. That was in January. We hadn't talked to anybody about starting a new church. And we're too old. And if I apply to the board, they're going to say I'm crazy. At least that was my thought. And uh, so we went on into town, had lunch. And on April 12th or 13th of that same year, the Lord had opened the property that we were looking at had sold for $575,000. And uh, we bought that property for 200000 and we're in it in December. We owned it the end of December, the first year. Hey, brother, there ain't anything too hard for God. And it had been a God thing. This whole trip had been a God thing. Uh, somewhere around the second or third year, I, I felt like the Lord had shown me who was going to be the next pastor. By now, I'm 69, 70 years old. I don't, I don't know, 72 or 3. And so I, I called this young man and uh, made an appointment to meet with him. And uh, he basically said, well, you know what? I, I know him, and I know that he would do what he said. He said, I'll pray about it, but I, uh, that's all I can say. I'll pray about it. So every time I would see him, I would say to him, did you get prayed through yet? And this went on for two or three years. And so finally he came down for a couple of services, and I laid it on him again. I said, uh, we, we have two plans. We have plan A and plan B. You're plan A, and the other person is plan B, but they won't make this church go. It's going to be stagnant where we're at right now. Well, plan A, we met with them on a Saturday morning in Seymour, and he told me with no uncertain terms that they felt like they were doing the will of God, and they're involved in the youth of Indiana, and uh, 
no, the answer is no. I hate to tell you this, I got ticked. So we, we went to church, I had an RV park behind church, and my attitude wasn't right. And my wife said, you need to go over there and pray. So I did. Sometimes we need to listen to our wife. Not all the time, but most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time. Long story short, they came the next morning, which was Sunday morning. And uh, as he was preaching that Sunday morning, his preaching went to a new level. It wasn't the normal. He'd been there for five or six Sundays now. And uh, as he was preaching, uh, he just kind of staggered a little bit and grabbed hold of the pulpit. And so after service, I went up to him and I said, I didn't know that my wife had gone up and put her arm on him and said, you're saying no, but the answer is yes. Because the Lord just showed me. And that's not like her to say something like that. And uh, so not knowing what she had done, he's standing at the altar and he's praying, a lot of people praying at the altar. So I walk up to him and just put my arm around him. I said, uh, you stepped up to a new stepladder there. You moved up a notch today. And he was out of control. And uh, so by the time we had lunch that day, he basically had agreed there was one condition he needed to take care of. And he's going to take care of that in the afternoon. And long story short, they took the work that we started and went from 37 people to now they're around 120. God knows what he's doing. God knows what you need. He knows what's going on in your life. I don't know what I'll say. I'm, just, I'm overwhelmed, okay? I'm overwhelmed because of what God wants to do right now. And if the sister Nolan will come to the music, I'm going to ask you if somehow you've got a hold of a little bit of faith, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and just stand up here. We're going to pray. Uh, you can sit there as long as you want, but I'm not going to quit till you come. I feel that. I feel that strong about what God's done today. What's it going to take to move you off top dead center? What's it going to do to make you submit? to God's will for your life. I worship you. Could we just worship him? Thank you, Jesus. I, cha I challenge you to lift your voice. I love you, Lord. You are so great. You're awesome. Thank you for what you're doing. I'm just standing here waiting, Lord, because I know you've challenged people here today. I'm going to wait a few minutes. What's it going to take? That's all right. You need God. This is a good time to come. You, you need His moving in your life. This is a good time to come. I worship you. I shall on the whole sometime. You are great and faithful. I find no fault in you, God. Thank you for all of these that have made their way to the front. I've got a few more that need to be here. And I'm just going to wait another minute or so. What are you afraid of? 
He's, gonna, he's not going to do a thing to hurt you. He's not going to do anything bad. Everything he'll do in your life is good. Now I challenge you just to open yourself up. God, here I am. I'm standing here in your presence. I, I believe you. I want you. I, I worship you. You are holy. You are great above measure. Thank you for your goodness. God, I'm looking at people today that with a commitment to you, this church will go off the charts with people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, with people being baptized. If we can just get some commitments here today. I, I challenge you to make a commitment. Here I am, Lord. If you can use anything, you can use me. If he can use an old man that's supposed to be in the grave, he can use you. I don't know what he's calling you to do, but he can use you. We thank you for what you're doing, God. We thank you for your holiness. We thank you for the peace of God that passes understanding. Let's come on all over this place. Let's lift our hands. Come on, this is a moment of faith. Brother Senior said it right. We need to be sensitive for a word for ourselves, not just everyone else, not just in general. Why don't we just draw near to the Lord right now? The Bible says if we draw near to Him, that He draws near to us. Every hand lifted, every heart lifted. Can we just draw near to the Lord right now? Come on, what is the impossibility in your life? What is the mountain in your life? What is the enemy in your life? Why don't you just give it to the Lord right now?